are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So every Sunday I preach, almost every Sunday of the year, a few exceptions, and some days I come on days like today, and I just can't hardly wait to tell you what that I feel like God has given me to tell you. That's one of those days. So we are celebrating today 500 years of the Protestant Reformation. Now, I'm looking at high school students right over here on my left, and I'm looking at lots of university students on my right, and I'm looking at uh, some slightly older people here in the middle. And uh, how many of you feel like, raise your hand really high if you do, I think I have a really good understanding, could give an explanation of the Protestant Reformation. Just get your hand really high in the air. You're not impressing me yet. Are there more of you? So I want you to know what it's all about, okay? So here's the deal. 500 years ago, this week, October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther, who was an Augustinian German monk, began to protest against the church. So how many of you knew that? How many of you knew that the word Protestant comes from the word protest? So we're we're not Catholic, we are Protestants, right? So protest is what is what informs why we call ourselves protestants we were protesting against the church now here's what the protest was about martin luther was upset concerned felt like the church needed to reform because the church was selling indulgences so a second time hands really high in the air if you think you know what indulgences are and what selling indulgences were okay here's what it, here's what it meant they believed that When you die, you were in the church, so you're going to go to heaven. But first, you had to deal with your sin, and that was in purgatory. If you would give the church a certain amount of money, the Pope would talk to God on your behalf, and you could spend less time in purgatory dealing with your sin. Okay? If you had a family member that you loved or somebody that you loved, you could... You could pray, give them rather money, the church, and and your friends would spend less time in purgatory dealing with their sin. So that's what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said, number one, I'm against the idea of selling indulgences because it's only by the grace of Jesus that we find pardon for our sin. And so when he nailed his 95 thesis on the door at the church in Wittenberg, he ignited a fire that became a worldwide movement. It was never his idea that we're going to separate and like it's going to be Catholics and Protestants. In his mind, he just wanted to see the church reform. And I'm sad in my heart today that there's like Protestants and Catholics. I wish we were all one church, you know. But it led to this division. And And there was lots of conversation about church corruption and bad theology and the authority of Scripture. And things kind of changed for us. And there became kind of these two groups of people following Jesus, two primary groups. There were others. Now, what it's left us with today is something that's very important to you. And it's this ongoing conversation about faith and works. So what role does faith play in your life? And what role do works play in your life? Okay? So that's the conversation we're in. So you ready? Here we go. Houston has this massive flood. 
Timmy just told you that our teens just came back from trying to assist people there. And so when you're watching on television and on your computer screens and on your phones what's going on in Houston back a couple of months ago, one of my favorite interviews was with this old boy from the great state of Kentucky. I'll let the applause die down before I go on. I know you love my home state. And so here's what he says in his Kentucky accent, his Kentucky draw. I was just laying in bed one night when the good Lord said to me, what are you doing laying here when they need you so bad down in Houston? So I hitched my boat to my truck and I just came on down here and we're putting in wherever they'll let us in. We're trying to get as many people rescued as we can. And we just want them to see Jesus in us. And I just think to myself when I watch that interview, what a good guy, you know? I mean, he really is a, seemed to me to be a a good person. Or what about when we're watching the news a few weeks ago and this guy is shooting people like crazy from a hotel room in Las Vegas? And what about people who do heroic things like this one guy who is out of the line of fire but runs back into the line of fire because he sees this young woman who has been shot and she is screaming and she is crying and he goes back in, bullets flying everywhere and he scoops her up and he runs with her for a long way until finally he can find this guy in a truck who will give them a ride to a hospital and he gets her to a hospital and he saves her life or what about the other guy who throws his body using it as a human shield on top of his wife so that she won't die but he dies and i'm going like wow those are really good people right i mean they do really good things how good am i I don't think I'm that good. Are you that good? In fact, let me just ask you, how good are you? So like on a scale between 1 and 10, would you give yourself like a, a 6 or a 7 or a 8? Anybody say, I think I'm a 9. I'm a pretty good person. So like what would you give your spouse? Do you want to just let her know right now, hold up some fingers on her or him? I think what happens is we say, well, compared to who, you know, because, I mean, if you put me in the room with some pretty bad dudes, I'm going to blow the curve. I'm a decent guy. But if you put me in the room with like Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, I'm not going to do so well in that room. I think the other question is, so how good do you have to be? Like, how good would be like good enough for God to say, that's good enough. You and me, we're good because like, you know, you're, you're, You've reached this level of good. You don't do this stuff very much. And, and you do all this other stuff. And so you, you've kind of gotten yourself up to this. And where God finally says, okay, good enough. But then one day you open the Bible. And here's what you realize. It's not even about being good. What? It's not about being good. You realize it's about being forgiven. That's what makes you right in in God's eyes. And makes your relationship with God okay. And so then you ask the question, so then does being good even matter to God at all? 
And so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about this balance, okay, between faith, grace, and good works. So to find that balance, I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And we're going to start with verse 1. Now, there's a guy whose name is Paul. And, and you're going to hear me say a lot today, but I want you to hear me say this. This guy was passionate about helping people come to know Jesus. He was passionate. He gave his life to helping people come to know Jesus. And so here's what he writes in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1. He says, as for you, and he's kind of doing this thing where he's saying, you guys are Gentiles. You know, I was raised Jewish. As for you, you Gentiles, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. So I guess I wonder, is there anybody here, don't raise your hand, it would be terribly embarrassing. But would you say like right now I'm kind of following the ways of the world? I mean, I'm in church, I'm not going to lie, I'm just going to tell you, right now, I'm kind of following the ways of the world. Or how many of you would say, I remember a time in my life when I did follow the ways of the world. So he gives us a lot of other language to understand that better, okay? Um, he says, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, he means the devil. Are you now, or do you remember a season in your life where like the devil had a lot of influence on you? Okay? He goes on to say, or the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. There's other people who don't obey God's commands. You remember when you were like that? You followed the ways of the world? He says it another way. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So it means like, do you remember a season in your life when you would say, I was kind of doing what I wanted to do? I mean, when you say flesh, I mean... I'm, I'm with you. I, it was like, I'm just doing what sounds good, feels good, what I want right now. He says, okay, that's how we all were at one point. Now, here's where the turn comes, verse 4. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, these last three verses are the crux of the conversation. So, lean in. I don't think anybody leaned in. But anyway. For it is by, you're going to love this, you ready? It is by grace you have been saved. Well, what is the contrast? If, if it's not by grace that I'm saved, what, what is it that I think is saving me? And here's the contrast. And this is not from yourselves. You don't save yourself. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that nobody can boast. So here's the deal. You can't be saved by being real good. There is no way you'll ever like be good enough. That if, I, if I'm just good enough, long enough, try hard enough, then eventually God will say, okay, good enough, you're in. doesn't work that way. You're saved by grace. But now, what about doing good stuff? And that's verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. 
Look at you. Would you just go stand in the mirror? You are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to now do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So let's talk about it for a little while, okay? There's a guy whose name is C.S. Lewis who is deceased now, but a great theologian, a great mind. And one day he walked into a conference, small group of people talking about comparative religions, right? So let's talk about all the religions of the world and how is Christianity unique or different. And so they began eliminating things. So somebody said, well, what about uh, the incarnation? Because in other religions, gods have appeared in human forms. Somebody else said, well, let's talk about the resurrection. And they said, well, in other religions, there has been this talk of people coming back from the dead. And C.S. Lewis comes into the room. What's the rumpus, he says. Well, we're talking about comparative religions and we're talking about what is it that makes Christianity different from all the other religions of the world? And C.S. Lewis said, oh, that's easy. It's grace. And after much debate, they all agreed. Only in Christianity is there this idea that I do nothing and I deserve nothing, and I've earned nothing. But God loves me with no strings attached, with no conditions involved, and He pours His grace out into my life. Now, now you've got to look me in the eye for just a minute because this is the most important question maybe you'll ever get asked in your life, Okay? Is this what you're basing your whole life on? Is it grace? Are are you hearing me? I mean, if you're basing your life on anything else, then then, then I'm going to say to you, please, let me and you spend some time this week. Let's talk. Because if you're basing your life on anything else, you're off track, okay? Grace. This, This idea that you are saved and it is a free gift... God just gives it to you freely. You do nothing to earn it. You do nothing to deserve it. Salvation is a gift from God. It's not by any of your works. Nobody can brag and say, I finally became good enough that I got high enough that I am now saved. No, it's a gift. And if you are basing your life on anything other than the fact that God has given me this gift, you're off track. The reason I think it's so important To stand here this morning and remind us. You know, I believe God's talking to us right now. I I think the reason it's so important that we remind ourselves that it's not about being good. It's about being forgiven. And the reason is because there is another story being told in our world today. Do you know what moralism is? Moralism is is the practice of keeping certain moral rules and laws in order to obtain and maintain God's salvation. And we live in a world right now that says, you know what I believe? I believe if you just try to be a good person, 
you treat people right, you say your prayers at night, He's going to smile on you. And it's not what the Scripture teaches. So, what do you do? Let me, let me tell you a story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is a story about uh, the prodigal son. You probably know that story to some degree if you've hung around church some. If you really knew, this would be a new story to you. It's an awesome story, but there's this man, and he was blessed to have two sons, okay? The younger son decides, I don't want to hang around my dad's farm anymore. I want to go do my own thing. And he says to his dad, would you give me my inheritance now, half of everything you own? Now, it's a nutty question, and nobody would have done it in those days. But in the story, the father gives him half of everything he owns. And the son takes all of this money, okay? And he goes out, and here's what the Bible says. The Bible says he spent all of his money in wild living and on prostitutes. So you got it. I mean, it's just one major party until all the money runs out. And he's destitute. And he says, I'm going to go home. I'm going to ask my dad if I can be a servant in his house. And he goes home. And his dad just opens his arms to him and runs toward him and throws a party. And he's so excited. My son that was lost is now home. His son makes this big speech of repentance. And his dad says, hey, we're all good. Now, now here's what happens. He has an older brother that is really mad that the dad has thrown the younger son a party and welcomed him back home. All right, so here's what the story tells us. It's not about being good. Because the younger son wasn't very good at all. In fact, he was bad. The older son was really good. He was so good he never did anything wrong. He just worked hard on the farm. And what the story tells you is that God is more concerned than anything else about our repentance and accepting His forgiveness. But this idea that if I hang around and I try hard enough and I perform at high enough level that I'll finally earn the Father's approval and He and I will be in a good relationship, that's just bogus. What really matters to God is that we say we're sorry and we repent and we ask for forgiveness and we receive His forgiveness for our sins. You with me on that? So, think with me just for a moment here. My, uh, my mind tells me that in this scripture, there's a problem. If there wasn't a problem, Paul wouldn't have talked about it. And the problem is that the people in Ephesus are struggling with moralism. If I can keep moral laws, I can somehow maybe obtain and maintain my salvation. And one day God will say, you were good enough. But the gospel looks more like this. Jesus came to earth and he came into our lives and he lived among us and he showed us what God was like. And then he walked up a hill And he died on a cross and became a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And he took upon himself our sins. And now he offers you forgiveness as a free gift. 
Annette and I went to Ohio this past week, and we spent a few days with our little three-year-old granddaughter. Her name is Sadie. And uh, Sadie uh, calls me Ricky, and she calls my wife Annette. She calls her Nettie. But, but this time when we were together, she kept hearing Annette call me Rick. And so she started calling me Rick. And, and I'm her grandpa, but she would say, I love you so very much, Rick. And, and we did, you, you understand where I'm going with this in the sermon? Nowhere. It has nothing to do with the sermon. I just, I just don't want you to get robbed of not hearing beautiful stories like that, you know? <laughs> So Sadie has been watching some show where this girl plays a guitar. Is it Alana? I'm not for sure. But anyway, it's a show, huh? Laura, Dora? Dora, okay, I'm sorry. Wow, calm down a little bit, okay? I'll get it. So I've been watching the show and plays a guitar, her string break. And so she's, I'm like hearing her play and she's talking about her guitar. And so we're going to leave Friday morning early. And I woke up thinking, you know, Walmart's open all hours of the night. And so I go to Walmart and I buy her a little toy guitar. And so when she's waking up Friday morning, her mommy, Brittany, says, Sadie, Ricky went to the store already today and bought you something special. He bought you a guitar. Only I think Sadie calls it a guitar. And so I hold up the guitar, and I start strumming it. So here she is, okay? You can picture this. A little girl waking up in the morning. She's stretching, hair's disheveled, and she's smiling, and she reaches out for the guitar. And I give her the guitar, and she's playing it, and she's looking at me grinning. You can tell she loves it. Just gave her the gift. She did nothing to deserve it. I'm not expecting anything out of it. I'm not even expecting her to learn how to play it. That's not part of the deal. It's just, here's a guitar. And today Jesus stands before all of us and says, I have something I would love to give you. It's salvation. It's forgiveness of sins. It's a right relationship with God, nothing between you and Him. And here, I just want to give it to you. It's that simple. Now, here's what happens in this conversation. We say, well, if you're saved by grace through faith, and it really is a free gift, does it matter at all to God? whether or not we do good works. And so that's what we're going to talk about these last two or three minutes, okay? Once in a while, I preach on Sunday morning, and, and I hit a nerve. And, and I wish I did it more often. I'm always praying God speak through me. But sometimes you realize, okay, I mean, I, I got people's attention. And the way that I know it is because... By the time that first service is over and I'm shaking people's hands, I mean, people are coming up saying, can I make an appointment with you this week and talk to you? Or, hey, I want to talk to you about what you just said. Or my phone is blowing up even in between services and then after second service. And people are saying, hey, I really needed to hear that. Or I want to talk to you more about that. Or I'm getting emails starting on Monday or Sunday afternoon. People are writing long emails. 
And, and I remember that happened not too long ago, about a year ago, when I was talking about um, my friend John. Has anybody here seen my old friend John? Uh, okay, but anyway, um, he, he lives in this town, and his daughter, Andrea Guy, attends our church. And we were working on staff together to church, and I was young. I mean, I was, I was maybe 20, I don't know, four, three. And, uh, and I was a youth pastor, and John was my mentor, my coach on that staff. And one day, I'm talking to John about this thing of faith and works. And I know that I'm saved by grace. I know it's a gift through faith. But then there's this works, and I'm, try- and I'm really confused in my head. I'm trying to work through this. But So how important is it that I do good works and... Do good works matter to God? I know I can't earn salvation. And I remember John, and I told this story one Sunday about a year ago here, and my phone blew up afterwards, okay? But here's what John said to me. John said, hey, Rick. And that's kind of, he says it like that, Rick. And I said, what? And he says, you're saved. And I said, okay. Well, you know what I'm saying, John? I'm asking. He says, Rick. And I said, yes. And he says, you're saved. And I said, I know. You're not hearing me, Rick. I said, what, John? He says, Rick, you are saved. And I said, okay, John, I'm saved. It was like a light came on. It was like God broke through. It became this very thin place in my life. And I realized that I'm saved. I'm not trying to get saved. I'm saved. I'm not doing stuff to become more saved. The truth is I'm saved. (laughs) I don't get up and read my Bible in the morning and pray and find somewhere to serve so that I can become better saved. No, the truth is, I am saved. And listen to me, okay? You've got to hear this. Now, now, here's what happens in my life. I am living out of that grace. If you want to write something down, you should write this down. I don't live toward grace. I live from grace. See the difference? I'm not like trying to, trying to find grace. I'm not like trying to lean in. I'm not like if I could just, if I could just do some good works and get some grace. No, I've experienced grace. I've been forgiven. And now I'm living my life from grace, out of grace. Here's what it looks like in everyday life. Okay. When I was 19 and I, by God's grace, accepted his invite to be forgiven of my sins, I was born again. Nobody had to say to me, hey, Rick, you should stop doing some of this stuff. I mean, on my own, I was like, I'm not doing that stuff anymore. Nobody had to say to me, hey, Rick, you should start doing some of this stuff. I mean, I was like, hey, I want to do some of this stuff. I'll I'll do that. I'll do it. I'll volunteer. And so out of this grace that I've experienced, this forgiveness of sins, now I live my life out of that, doing good works. Hear Paul's words again. We used to be dead in our sin, and we had no purpose, and we lacked meaning in life. But now, because 
God is rich in mercy. We have been raised to this new life, this resurrection life with Jesus. And you are now God's handiwork. Just look at you, would you? Created in Christ Jesus now to do good works. You don't do good works to get saved. You do good works because you are saved. You know what some of you need to do today? I hate it when people say that to me, by the way, but I just said it. Somebody here needs to get saved. Somebody here just needs to say, you know what, Jesus, I need to be forgiven of sins. And you know what some other folks would do well to do here today? Say, oh my goodness. Maybe you should go see my old friend John. Maybe you should just say, oh my goodness, I am saved. Would you look at me? (laughs) I'm forgiven. It's a gift. Jesus gave this to me. And now I can just live my life out of that grace. See, I have no problem standing here saying, you know what? God expects a lot of us now that we are saved. We talk about the practices. It's important that you go to church every week. It's important that you worship together. It's important that you spend one-on-one time with God. That's really important. It's important. It really is that you do things like group life and that you find a place to serve and that you give and that you share your... All of that's good stuff. But I live it out of all this grace that God has given me. And now out of this grace, I live my life doing good works. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we have communion today. Now, the reason I got you on your feet is because I think maybe you will listen better while you're standing. Okay? So I want you to focus with me and hear this, all right? When when I get this, this is the image in my head. When I get this cup in my hand in a moment, and this bread. So there's two cups stacked together. You're going to dump the bread out into your hand, restack the cups, and you're going to hold this bread and this cup in your hand. When you eat that bread in a moment, and when you drink that drink, here's the image I want you to see. In that moment, you are receiving the grace of Jesus into your life. You have been recipients of grace and His grace still is given to you over and over again. And so when you get that cup and that bread in your hand and you put it in your mouth and you chew it up and you drink it, imagine yourself in that moment not only celebrating Jesus' presence but receiving His grace into your life. So those of you who are going to service, will you come now and do that? We practice open communion, which means that you don't have to be a member of Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. You're welcome to join us if you are sincerely seeking Jesus today. If you really want His grace, accept it this morning. After everyone has received and been served, we will hold the elements in our hands, and then we will all eat drink together.
So I want to give you an opportunity, okay, either now or as we begin to make our way out of the room. If you want to accept Jesus this morning, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And there'll be pastors all around and they will pray with you and lead you in that prayer. Or if for any reason you feel like you want to come and pray, you're welcome. You can step out now. You can move this way as people are moving that way. Please, if, if today is your day, don't let this day get beyond you. I'll hang out. I'll stay down here. I'll wait for you. So Jesus was with his disciples. Now, think about this. He says, this is my body. Here's what I'm going to do with it, okay? I'm going to give it to you. It's free. I don't deserve it. No, but that's not the issue. It's a gift. Take it. Eat it. Receive my grace. And he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood. You know what I'm going to do with my blood? I'm giving it to you. It's a gift. It's grace. It's free. Drink it, all of you. And so, Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise for this gift 
of forgiveness of sins and a right relationship with you. And now empower us to do good works that will honor you and please you. Bless us as we go from this place today with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.